This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Meanwhile in Memphis is a program dedicated to conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are me, Rebecca Daly, and Anna Thompson. Today you are in for a real treat as we are leaning into the spirit of Halloween. Ooh. But never fear, you do not have to do the Monster Mash or even dress in costumes to enjoy our conversation. That said, we are here for all of the last day of October celebrations, and we will be talking about some historical haunts and spooky spirits that help make the 901 the place it is today. Joining us today are Alex Castle and Megan May. Alex Castle is the master distiller and senior vice president of Old Dominic Distillery. Alex is Tennessee's first female head distiller, and she was elected the first female president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild. She represents craft distillers across the country as the vice chair and craft. She represents craft distilleries across the country as the vice chair of the Craft Advisory Council for the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. For Alex, making spirits isn't as much a job as it is a calling, and Alex found hers early on. As a Kentucky native, there's a passion for good bourbon that runs deep. As a chemical engineer, there's a love of the process that takes something simple and makes it sublime. Her talent, passion, and creativity are why she was supervising Wild Turkey's 24-hour-a-day operation at only 24 years old, and it's why we're proud to have her here to continue the old Dominic legacy. Megan May is the Vice President of Group and Event Sales at Backbeat Tours. Megan is a lifelong fifth-generation Memphian. She attended college at Delta State University, graduating in 2010 with a bachelor's degree in English. She then accepted a part-time job as a tour guide in 2012, giving ghost tours of downtown Memphis with Backbeat Tours. Twelve years later, she is now the Vice President and Director of Sales at the very same company. Backbeat Tours is a small business that was created in 2006 by author and historian Bill Patton. They believe that Memphis has a compelling local history, which is influenced and shaped by popular culture to a degree far beyond other cities of comparable size. At Backbeat Tours, they believe the best way to show this history is through music, story, and fun. Please join us in welcoming to our spooky studio today, Alex and Megan. Good morning, Alex and Megan. How are y'all today on this spooky Halloween morning? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for for pumpkin spice lattes and ghosts, man. I love it. Absolutely. You have to stop me from singing "This Is Halloween" over and over and over again. <laughs> Best Halloween song out there. <laughs> you can just play it through till Christmas too. So oh, I, I do. Mean, it's, yeah. It's I like do. nine weeks of, of, you know, Danny Elfman. It's, I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> Spirited season. Perfect world. Oh, yes. So speaking of spirits, um, we'd love for you to introduce yourself so that our listeners know who is who on the mic. Yeah. Alex Castle. I'm the master distiller and senior vice president at Old Dominic Distillery. Welcome. Welcome, Megan. I want to I be a master of of anything really master of spirits there you go. okay there we go all right well my name is megan may i am the vice president and director of sales at backbeat tours 
Thank you both for joining us today on this Spooky Spirits and Historical Haunts Halloween episode, but it is um, also applicable year-round, dear listener, so um, please do not fret. If Halloween is not your thing, there will be plenty of nuggets of wisdom about Memphis to carry you through all 365. So can you share a little bit, getting started, about the history of both of your organizations? So... Megan with Backbeat Tours and Alex with Old Dominic. So Alex, the Old Dominic brand is, I guess, maybe slightly newer, maybe like the last, you know, eight, ten, eight-ish, ten years, but it has so much history. So the brand that you are familiar with is relatively new, but technically Old Dominic dates back to the 1800s, both the brand and the company. Um, So our parent company is DeCanale & Company. old, old Memphis company founded in 1866, um, still based in downtown Memphis. They've had a, a long history of various different, um, businesses from the Anheuser-Busch distributorship they had for so long, um, to a couple of other entities, but old Dominic's the, the bread and butter of what they do. And it's kind of the soul of the company now. Um, but the brand itself w- existed in the 1800s. Our founder, Dominico created a whiskey line because so many people wanted to do that. And he actually uh, would bottle the whiskey in um, a building on Hewling Street, uh, just down the street from where the distillery is to this day. It's actually a building that's still standing. It's uh, an apartment building now, of course, because that's what everything is. (laughs) Um, And so that's why we have a Hewling Station line is to pay homage to the building that would have had a train go straight up to it. So station, Hewling Station. Okay. Wow. So I knew it was incredibly steeped in Memphis history. I didn't quite realize that it was that deep in the in deep in the roots and in the water of Memphis. So Alex, how did you get involved with Old Dominic? Uh, really easy answer. Message on LinkedIn. How fun. How very modern. <laughs> right? Yeah. I was um, working in the bourbon industry up in Kentucky and got a message on LinkedIn asking if I knew of anyone that might want to move to Memphis. Um, I had never been to Memphis uh, until my job interview, and that was over eight years ago. You're like, I volunteer as tribute. I'm coming. Pretty much. It seemed like a <laughs> once in a lifetime opportunity. How many, you know, how many times are you going to be asked to help start up a, a distillery from the ground up? Um, even in Kentucky, that wasn't happening that often. And so my husband and I said, let's do it. And we've been Memphians ever since. And just to expand a little bit, can you help us understand what a master distiller is and why it's such a cool role? So in the spirits industry, you'll hear master distiller, head distiller, production manager. They can honestly all encompass the same thing. It just depends on the distillery. But ultimately, you are responsible for all aspects of production. So grain selection. So where do I source my grain? Because that's that's the base for the spirit, as well as designing, creating the mash bills, yeast management, um, setting the production schedule even, ensuring quality of the distillate and through the aging process, developing the final blends that go into the bottle. So what are you what are you actually tasting? Master distiller, sometimes also a master blender, if you're lucky to have both, uh, will actually go in and create those blends. And ultimately, you as the consumer, that's what you're tasting is, is our work. And there's always a little bit of, of marketing that goes with, with it as well. Just a teensy little bit. Just a little. <laughs> so Megan, can you tell us um, a little bit about the history of Backbeat Tours? 
So I guess comparatively, we are really, really new um, because we definitely were not around in the 1860s. Um, you know, yellow fever and all that. But yeah. uh, minor so detail. Just yeah, just a little <laughs> little bump in the road there. Uh, but Backbeat Tours has uh, we've been around since 2006. I've actually been with the company since 2012. So um, I'm celebrating my 12 years. Uh, it was just this past year, uh, or was this year in back in the spring. I've uh, been with the company for 12 years. And really and truly, my boss, the owner of Backbeat Tours, his name is Bill Patton. He is originally from Pennsylvania and at the time was living in Washington, D.C., um, where he was a tax lawyer and, you know, working 60 hour weeks and, and just super boring stuff like that. And he and his wife came on a vacation. Uh, he's really big into history. He is a musician and they came on vacation here in Memphis and took a tour with another company um, that I don't think is still in town. And when you go on vacation, when you live in a city like Memphis, when you're from a city like Memphis and you go on vacation to another city similar to Memphis, there's always that need to compare. And so they got off this tour in Memphis and Bill thought to himself, I can do so much better than that. You know, we all we, we yes. all have those thoughts. We it. all have those Alex thoughts. Alex is like, yes, I have yes, those thoughts. You, all the time. you have those thoughts. You you, you do you drink whiskey and you're like, mine's better. <laughs> you know, you listen to other podcasts, and you're like, mine's better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing you like get, a little one-upsmanship. Exactly, just a little bit. But he get off this tour and it, I can do better than that. He had zero, zero knowledge opening a business anything to do with tourism or hospitality, and he did it anyway. They uprooted everything. They moved here to Memphis. Uh, they lived at South Bluffs Apartments for a little while. Now they live in Midtown, and he has really just built this amazing company. We have a great team, and we are... I don't think it's I don't think it's it's braggadocious to say that we are now kind of the authority in Memphis history and tourism. And we work so closely with so many of, of our other, you know, name brand uh, attractions in Memphis. And it's for us, it's really all about just bringing Memphis history to everybody. That really embodies, I think, the spirit of the Memphis community. There is really an undercurrent here of being able to start something new, start something bigger, start something better, more exciting. So it's really cool that what you're doing involves that. It's not just about history, but I think the understanding the context in which your tour company was created. So we are here today to talk about a little bit of the history that you are able to share, not only with tourists, but Memphians. I think, you know, Memphis is a city with a really rich and complex history um, and also a few maybe ghost stories. Oh, more than a few, more than a few. Would you would you care to share um, maybe your favorite ghost story here in Memphis? Oh gosh, um, that's that's a tough one. It it really it really is because everybody whether whether you're from Memphis or whether you're from anywhere else and you're just coming to visit Memphis, everybody knows at least a little bit of two, you know our two most famous stories. Everybody knows the story of the Orpheum. 
obviously witches Mary. 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 Okay. Yeah, I was about to say witches. She's like, I know it. But if you didn't know. But if you didn't know. So there's Mary. And then um, now a little more recently, Ernestine and Hazel's is kind of having their moment being featured on Most Terrifying Places in America. Um, oh, wow. I and did not know that. Season two, episode one. And it's called Haunted Road Trip. You might recognize the person telling the story of Ernestine and Hazel's. Oh, just, shout out. Shout out, maybe Megan. maybe a little, little shameless self-promotion. <laughs> in there um but you know and and also with uh portals to hell with uh, jack osborne and katrina weidman they came um and did an investigation at ernestine hazel's a couple of years ago uh i don't think it's a portal to hell look i love jack osborne and my daughter's to obsessed say, with i mean him. i i love a good soul burger so frankly i think it's a portal to heaven more than it's a portal a hundred percent i don't think it's a portal to hell but i mean it it got good ratings so whatever um, but my my favorite ghost story is most likely it, it's not even really on anybody's radar and and everybody is kind of like, really, what happened? And it's the green beetle. So yeah, everybody in this room, I wish we had a camera going on everybody in this room, their head just kind of cocked over to the side like a dog. Is this like, gonna what? is this gonna make me not want to go back to the green beetle? Oh Never. no, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely it might not. make you want to go more. The the buff, the buffalo quesadilla is is worth the trip alone, honestly. Buffalo chicken quesadilla is my favorite. But uh so the green beetle, obviously we know it is Memphis's oldest tavern. Uh, you know, they it's opened in 1939, but the building itself dates back to 1910. Uh, fun fact, Memphis enacted state or Tennessee enacted statewide prohibition in 1909, which is the full 10 years before federal prohibition. Alex is like, yep, it was a dark Woo-hoo, time. Was, go Tennessee. It was yeah. Dark times, dark times. One of those great lists that we <laughs> tend to make the top of. <laughs> but um, so the the history of the building just dates back so far, and it was, it was kind of a, a low-key hangout spot for a lot of politicians, they would meet down in the basement and, you know, kind of have very clandestine meetings. It was also a local hangout for Machine Gun Kelly, not the rapper. I <laughs> never in my life thought I would have to make that distinction, but here we are. I can't. So, oh. But uh, in the summer of uh, summer of 1952, there were two sailors who had gotten off the train uh, down here at Central Station uh, in South Main District and were working their way up Main Street. And they uh, passed by Frank Verdi. Now, Frank Verdi actually owned the building that encompasses both the Green Beetle as well as what is now Bedrock Eats and Sweets. And at the time, it was Frank's Liquor. Um, and so these two sailors, they they stopped Frank on the sidewalk. They say, hey, man, you know, we're, we're, we're in town on leave and we're looking for Beale Street. And Frank Verdi says, well, you know, Beale Street's just a couple blocks up that way. Just keep walking the way you're walking. But we got the Green Beetle right here. It's just right next door. It's so much closer. We got the same stuff. We got the girls. We got the gin. We got the gambling. And so these two sailors, they go into the Green Beetle, and they're in there for a few hours. Frank goes about his night. A couple hours later, he's getting ready to close the liquor store, and door flies open. One of the sailors is coming in. He's got this panicked look in his eye. Hide me, hide me, hide me. He starts running through the liquor store. He's knocking stuff off the walls and shelves and just making a mess. And before Frank has a minute to think, Oh my gosh, what is going on? The door flies open again. Second sailor comes in. He's got a knife in his hand. Where is he? I'm going to kill him. And a fight ensues. They scuffle. They end up killing each other. Memphis police come to, (laughs) they come to Frank's liquor. And during the course of the investigation, they find out that not only are these two men shipmates, they are cousins. And they have 
you know, they they fought and ultimately died over the affections of a woman that they had met in the Green Beetle. A woman who, let's be honest, probably wasn't interested in either one of them. So big facts. But yeah, and so I mean, to that day, it's it's a very residual type of haunting. You know, there's different types of hauntings, and this one kind of falls into the residual category um, because when you're at the Green Beetle, a lot of times uh, late at night, you will hear a scuffle in the in the back, like towards the kitchen. You will feel a, a rush of wind past you. You know, if you're sitting there um, having dinner, your plate will move. Glasses and bottles get knocked off the bar with regular uh, at regular intervals. And, you know, the doors will fly open. Occasionally, you'll, you know, you'll hear hear a scuffle, plates breaking, stuff like that. So I think it's a very residual haunting. You know, these these guys may never find rest. Ooh. So, yeah, that's that's the Green Beetle. That's honestly, it's my favorite story because because it is so um, the history of the building itself is is just fascinating to me. But then there's this this one instance, this one instance. And it's it's a building that you you anticipate with the history of the building, how long it's been there, it was a hangout for Machine Gun Kelly. It was a hangout for politicians. Like, you know, some 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 shady stuff went on there. But this one instance, that's what imprinted on that building. And and it it's sad. It is sad. Um, You know, these guys were cousins. They should have, you know, mama would be very disappointed. Yes, they should have amicably yeah, resolved yeah. those issues. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you kind of hit on it a little bit, but with both of you and your organizations, so Memphis has such a rich history. I'm curious how you both celebrate it without glossing over some of our spookier moments, because Memphis certainly has, you know, what I'm going to call spookier moments that maybe we don't want to put on display, but how do you celebrate the history of Memphis without omitting it? Yeah. I mean, you can't just leave it out. So it can be Alex. Yeah. You know. Well, Dominic, it's fairly easy to not have to talk about <laughs> those parts um, without actually having to even make people think you're omitting it. When we do our tour, we absolutely celebrate the history of, of course, Deacon Alley and Company, but also of Memphis. So the tour starts with that. We've got photos throughout the distillery and different display cases that show artifacts from our company's time, but also from Memphis. Um, so we definitely embrace the history. We educate people on history because we do have a lot of out-of-towners. Um, but fortunately, other than Prohibition, um, those shadier, speakier aspects of his uh, Memphis's history just really haven't touched the story that is Old Dominic. Um, and Prohibition wasn't too much of a thing for us because... Our owner, Dominico, actually passed away shortly before Prohibition was enacted. Um, and so the the whiskey kind of went away anyway. Um, so the shadier things that happened during those yeah. years. Where did uh, it go, though? Like, Because the company you know, still lived on in some aspects. So we don't have, we have zero proof, okay? No, I'm start, <laughs> Unlike starting your with product, that. Zero proof. Zero proof. <laughs> I didn't didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> we have zero proof as to what actually happened to our inventory. We ha- we're assuming that we absolutely had barrels in inventory when prohibition was enacted. I, I don't know why we wouldn't have. Yeah. Um we jokingly say that a lot of it probably was gifted <laughs> sold, I don't know, <laughs> something to some of our shadier historical figures um in memphis 
It went somewhere. Someone it, drank it. Definitely, it. I probably went to the basement of the Green Beetle. <laughs> and the sailors drank it. <laughs> that look. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Let's go with it. It's, uh, a, it's yeah. a new narrative. I, I yeah, like that's it. what we're going with. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're switching things up. It's the new narrative. I like that. So what about you, Megan, over it? Well, um, being that being that we we do kind of get we get out, um, Bill and I both like to say that we are we are mobile in more ways than one. We um, we don't have a brick and mortar building. We are incredibly mobile. Uh, we have been located. We've been based out of Blue City Cafe, BB King's Restaurant, uh, Hard Rock Cafe, and we are now currently at our home at Alfred's, uh, right in the heart of Beale Street. And so we are mobile in more ways than one. We have a couple of bus tours and of course we have our walking tours. So we really get people out and seeing stuff. So on that note, the the spookier aspects of Memphis, they are more likely to to reach out and touch us. Um it is it's a very fine line between acknowledging it and saying this is you know, one of the top 25 largest cities in the country currently. And, you know, you're not going to go to LA or St. Louis or Chicago or New Orleans or Miami. You're not going to go to those places and feel safe in 100% of the locations in that place. 100% of the time, Memphis is absolutely no different. But the things that are happening in LA, St. Louis, Chicago, New Orleans, Miami, they don't touch us. It's because it's there. It's not here. So, um, like I said, it's just, it's a very fine line between acknowledging that, yes, this is happening. Yes, it does happen. No, it does not happen on our tours. We've never had anything. Uh, we've never had anything frightening happen on our tours. I mean, outside of the occasional ghost making its presence known, (laughs) which does happen. Um, We've never had anything dangerous happen on our tours. Um, our tours are incredibly safe. They're family friendly. And, you know, speaking from from a historical standpoint, there's there's things that there's things that are uncomfortable for us as tour guides to talk about, especially when you have a group of you have a group of students in front of you, a group of students from one of the Memphis City schools, Memphis and Shelby County City schools, who are predominantly African American and we as tour guides who may or may not be African-American are having to tell them their history and it, it can get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It really can. But the the point is that all of our tour guides are highly trained. They are all incredibly intelligent and they all have a deep, deep love for Memphis and explaining to visitors and kids and locals alike, this is what it was. This is what it is. And there, these are different things, mm-hmm. and this is how we got there. And I think one of my favorite things about the range of tours that you offer, they're not just ghost tours, even <laughs> though that's what we, yeah. we uh, started the conversation with. You know, there are pieces of history in Memphis that are haunting and, uh, you know, live forward to our current our current situations, but I think what you do such a good job of is contextualizing that history and helping not just tourists, but Memphians understand 
why Memphis is the city it is. We wouldn't exist is in the community that we have today without some pieces of that history. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about some of your other tours and, and how you not only bring uh, tourists into the fold, but how do you get Memphians engaged and excited about their city? So in addition to our to our ghost tour, we have we have two other walking tours that are more kind of history based. We have the the historic Memphis walking tour, which basically handles the the Main Street corridor, basically all all the way from Beale Street all the way up to Court Square, and then we have the Beale Street walking tour, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a walking tour of Beale Street. <laughs> we have our our Memphis uh, Discovery tour, which is very you know that one that one's kind of like number two in my heart. Number one is the ghost tour because that's what I started with. Uh, all low those many years ago. But the Discovery Tour is really close to me because it is the one that I helped to create. Um, I helped create that tour. I helped write that tour. I train all the tour guides for that tour. And then we have, um, and, I'm sorry, the the Discovery Tour is, it's more of a, a history and culture. So we we do, we go around to, you'll see some of the main sites on that tour, but then you'll see the the lesser known, like we take you through Victorian Village. We will take you over to Claiborne Temple and I Am A Man Plaza. It includes a sample tasting at Central Barbecue because you can't not have Central. Um, and then you get to choose either the Rock and Soul Museum, which covers your music history, or the Edge Motor Museum, which is fantastic in its own right. So much fun. Richard and the guys over there do a really, really great job getting everybody just excited about cars. It's so fun. And then we just recently added um, the option to add on the Memphis River Boats as well. And that has been a really, really popular option. Um, we just started doing it at the beginning of August and we've already had like 80 something tickets sold for that one. So uh, it's it's been, you know, we're constantly looking at ways to um, to enhance our tours, ways to stay on top of what's what's happening now in Memphis and how to incorporate that with our tours. And part of that was adding the I Am A Man Plaza. When they unveiled that for MLK 50, that was a big deal for us. And we thought to ourselves, we were like, we can't, we can't just ignore mm -hmm. that. We need to make it part of the tour. And so we actually get off. They get to go and see the plaza there and really get up close and touch it. And, and we talk about the history of the sanitation strikes um, and, and what, what role Claiborne Temple played there. And then we have our, we have our mojo tour. So I kind of, I love the ghost tour. I love the discovery tour, but the mojo tour, that's, that's the moneymaker. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, the, the mojo tour is the mojo tour was our flagship tour. It was the very first tour that bill created and, and trained people on and ever did. And that one is our music tour because as bill says, so much of what makes Memphis Memphis is tied into our musical history and you can you can really track it from from the late 1800s you know people moving into Memphis to join up with the Union Army uh, African Americans moving into Memphis to join the Union Army and, and be part of the freedmen's camps and the freedmen's schools and they brought their culture they brought their religion they brought their music up to Memphis and it just kind of shifted and grew from that point into the early 1900s when you have W.C. Handy and the rise of Beale Street and moving into, you know, B.B. King and the blues musicians of Beale Street. And then you get the switch in 1954, which was the very first rock and roll concert, uh, July 30th, 1954. Uh, Elvis Presley performed at the Hillbilly Hoedown. And so, uh, yeah, we're coming up on the 70th anniversary next year. So stay tuned. We got some plans. Um, 
But, you know, when, and then, then that moves on and shifts even more into what would then later become soul music and stacks and Soulsville. And so we've got all of these different kinds of music that are so uniquely and so authentically, not just Southern, but American. And these are, these are traditionally American South. These are the sounds of the American South, the blues into rock and roll into the soul music and how that all ties together. That's what the Mojo Tour does. And it does it real quick and it does it in an hour and a half and it does it on a bus with a professional musician on board giving you the tour. So all of our buses are equipped with sounds uh, with, with it's, it's a concert on wheels, basically not quite as fancy as the shell on wheels, which that thing is so cool. I love them, but uh, we, we do a little concert on wheels. We have a professional musician on the bus singing and playing and talking our way through Memphis history. I'm, I'm curious on that tour. What is, what surprises people the most? Like of the things that you cover, if you had to pick something that surprises the people on the bus the most on the Mojo tour. Yeah. On the Mojo tour. Oh What's, gosh. Um, cause I'm sure there's a lot on that tour that people aren't aware of when they first get on the bus, but I'm just curious, what is the most, what would you, What's the most surprising thing that and and those of us from Memphis, we can dust our shoulders off because we know this. Um, the most surprising thing to a lot of people is that Blue Suede Shoes was originally a Carl Perkins song. And the idea was given to him by one Johnny Cash. That's the thing that surprises people most. That's the thing that surprises people most because so many people equate Blue Suede Shoes with Elvis. Yeah. And we always ask people on the tour, we're like, okay, guys, pop quiz time. Exactly. How many songs, approximately, how many songs did Elvis Presley write in his career? And everybody's like, 120, 75. Big old goose egg. <laughs> he's he's credited as like a as like a you know co a contributor. Yeah, or, or a contributor yeah. to a lot of them. But as far as like sitting down, putting pen to paper and writing the music for the songs that he is most well known for. Absolutely not. He was a performer. It was he a was different a performer. time. Exactly. It was well, a different we have time. A lot, we have a lot of performers in our lifetime that are the same way. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah. So it shouldn't be that surprising. It, well. <laughs> so both of you have talked about um, the tours and the direct links to history from both of your organizations. But why do you think that, particularly in Memphis, the intersection of history and hospitality is such a natural intersection? I, I think it just, I think it goes back directly to the idea of Southern hospitality. I get people all the time from California and, and New York and especially, um, especially our guests from overseas. And the thing that they say most often, the thing that they say overwhelmingly is that, oh my gosh, everybody in Memphis is so nice. Everyone's so nice. I'm like, well, Yeah. We're we're just a happy bunch of people, man. I mean, look, we got we got a distillery, we got like seven breweries, we got the river. What's there not to be happy about? Something in the water, right? Something in the water. Yep, there's something in the water, and you know we've got we've got Elvis, we've got BB King, we've just got we've got good food, we've got good drinks, we've got good music, we've got good people, and so I think it does have a lot to do with just the idea of Southern hospitality in general, and just that I you know that that ideal that people from the South are just nice. What about you, Alex, over at Old Dominic? Um, 
I think I think history and hospitality go hand in hand, especially in Memphis, because we have so much to be proud of. Um, and that's one thing I've I've seen in Memphis in my eight years. People are freaking proud to be from Memphis. We are proud of our history. We're proud of the things we've done. Um, and we want to talk about it. We want people to know us. And I, th- some of it might be trying to overcome some of, you know, the stereotypes that the city has, unfortunately, outside of, outside of the city. And um, we, we want to be hospitable. We want to tell you all the amazingness that is Memphis, past, present, and future. Um, and by having that hospitality, by showing you our history and the things we've done, hopefully we're able to, to show you Memphis isn't what you think it is. And we basically just want to be better than Nashville. Uh, yeah. I mean, that we are. So there's yeah. that. There you yeah, go. There's, We're yeah, just showing you. It's not, that. Yeah, it's not a debate. <laughs> it's just, these are the facts. This we're is just, the proof. We're just out to prove it now. Yes. Exactly. And, and so much of hospitality is an experience. And that's what both of your, your companies provide. For someone who is coming to the city for the first time, maybe as a tourist or maybe as a potential resident, what advice would you give them uh, to have the best introductory experience in Memphis? Um, well, first, uh, take a tour with with Backbeat Tours. <laughs> and, and Old Dominic. Uh, and, and follow it up with a drink at Old Dominic's. Um, I would just say, especially for people that are that are looking to to move to Memphis and become a resident, it is so important to just get out there do things go to trolley night the last friday of the month go to the markets at crosstown concourse go see a show at the shell it is memphis's backyard go out and just you know go to the local grocery stores um because i mean heck go to your local gas stations i mean this is memphis we have better food on our gas stations than most people places do like five-star restaurants like let's be honest and you know it's just so important to to get out and to experience the city because even if you don't know a single soul where you're going you have no idea what you're walking into you're going to meet somebody you're going to meet somebody they're going to have a connection that you're going to need and it's just really important I mean I think that's important in any place but it's especially so in Memphis because we are so nice and we are so willing to open ourselves up and bring more people in because it's more than just wanting to tell somebody how awesome Memphis is. We want that person to then go home and tell five or 10 other people, dude, Memphis is amazing. You have to go. And then they're going to tell five other people to come to Memphis. It's, it's about, it's about growing our circle instead of, you know, being this little, this insular little city and saying, yeah, we're awesome. We know we are. Bring your bachelorette parties here, but then go home. We don't want you here anymore. Please don't we, bring the bachelorette parties. God, please, please, please don't. Please don't. Let's, let's not. That was a joke. Um, but we, we, want to, we want to continually be, be expanding our circle of people that love Memphis because there's, we love it so much. And we, we know that there's, not, there's no number that's too big of people that love Memphis and want to be part of it. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. So like I said, when I came down for my interview first time in Memphis, my husband actually came down with me his first time in Memphis and 
I will say the the owners of Old Dominic kind of did it right because they made sure that I got to see those spots of Memphis. So dinner in Cooper Young, first night. But before that, this time to couldn't have done it better with the barbecue festival. And so I got to go down, get on the third floor of one of those rickety tents, booths, whatever they want to call those <laughs> things, um, and see something that is very inherently Memphis, our festivals. Between Memphis and May and Cooper Young Fest, River Arts Fest, we, we put on some really amazing festivals. Mm-hmm. So get out and experience those. But then I also got to go to a Grizz game. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. We don't have NBA. So, That's so not, I, it is. It's <laughs> terrible. But I have baseball and football. And I have, a, I have some pretty good college sports, too. I won't say anything about that. But, um, but we didn't have NBA. And so I wasn't into it. I didn't understand it. You know, and the energy behind it. It was a bunch of grown men running up and down basketball court. But getting to go and see the Grizz. And it actually was game six against Golden State that year. So Casual. Energy. What I an introduction. timed Right, this. right. I mean, was and this their timing or did you pick this date? Pump because you full of pork and then send you to a basketball game in the <laughs> well, playoffs. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about Memphis, so I couldn't pick the date like oh intentionally. Oh my you know word. I mean? This is like, it's if just you could what worked do out. Memphis in 24 hours, like your first time here it was is phenomenal. Like what everybody oh would, would hope for. Yeah, to where it's, you know, you, saw, you felt the energy in that, you know, in the forum. And I was like, okay, so this is Memphis. And actually, I should say before going to the Grizz, we um, didn't know downtown. We, I think we hit a Beale Street, a couple places or whatever, but somehow found the Tennessee Brewery. And at the time, it was just that pop-up beer garden. Yeah. And had a, um, a truck that was printing t-shirts as well. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have Grizz gear, so we had to, you know, had to buy some, some t-shirts to fit in or whatever. And uh, so that, that was our Memphis experience. And we knew after that weekend, like, okay, if I got the job, we, we we could maybe we could maybe do this like this could be our life and it and then we got down here and it really was all of those things we continued yeah. to go to the pop-up breweries it moved a couple times um continue to go to the festivals and discover even more of of what memphis has to offer and so it's just it's getting out there it's going to those places yeah and just experiencing what what the city is you came for the whiskey you stayed because you had high blood pressure <laughs> Between the pork and the grizz game. <laughs> pork. Yeah. And then later on found Gus's. So that, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. High blood pressure. It's That's not, what kept you. It's not been good. <laughs> but it's the best. Oh, too. It's, it's totally worth it. it. Oh, totally worth it. So something we've been doing a lot of um, in this conversation is looking back on the history of Memphis and what makes us who we are today. But how do you think um, innovation plays a key role in both of the organizations that you work at? for any any business any city you have to evolve you have to be willing to embrace change um because things do change we've all seen it across the country um and so for you know old dominic whiskey's a very very old industry it's steeped in tradition a lot of the the people up in kentucky tend to be a little slow to to change and embrace it because it's working so you know why change it well, we're not Kentucky, so we kind of have to think differently. We have to be more agile because Tennessee whiskey only was two brands for a while. And so we're having to get creative and help come up with new things that show people, okay, maybe you don't know what Tennessee whiskey is. Here you go. Um, 
So for us, just in the spirits industry, it's about constantly coming up with something that appeals to the consumer because of how much is out there. Um, but on top of it, we have over 30 distilleries in Tennessee. Once you've heard how whiskey is made at one, you realize it's the same at every single distillery. <laughs> <laughs> and so from the tour aspect, we also have to be innovative on that and come up with our own angle. What can we offer that gets them excited other than telling them how to make whiskey? Because odds are we're the last stop on the Tennessee Whiskey Trail because we're the, we're the only stop in West Tennessee. They probably started out at the Moonshine End and worked their way to us. So they've heard it. And so we have to get creative on on the visitor experience. So something I do want to shout out to that y'all were very innovative on was during a little thing called the pandemic, y'all um, kind of switched your machines over and cranked out some hand sanitizer. We did. Um, most distilleries in the state of Tennessee did it. We we all looked around and realized we had access to high proof alcohol that most people weren't able to get their hands on. Um, and I mean, at the time, most of us also didn't know, were we even allowed to produce whiskey right now? You know, are we essential business? Are people going to buy because they can't go to the store? So there were a lot of questions anyway as to should we even be producing whiskey? And so when we looked around and said, oh, shoot, we have all the ingredients. We don't really have anything else to be doing. Um, we all decided to switch gears and, and produce hand sanitizer in Old Dominic, we ended up donating, I don't even remember how much it was, but we donated to pretty much all the fire stations in the city, all the um, police stations. We did a lot of homeless shelters, schools, um, not that they were open, but you know, serving food probably gave some <laughs> to other um, yep. tourism groups in the- <laughs> Thank you, Jay Albertson, for bringing us hand sanitizer from Old Dominic. Yeah, pretty much anyone that needed hand sanitizer, if we had it, we, we donated it to people. Well, the Mid-South thanks you, and so do, does Tennessee as a whole. But that's one way that the agility and the innovation really kind of came into play was being able to kind of switch gears very quickly. Just, innovation yeah. and Southern hospitality. Yeah. Just hope really. we don't ever have to switch back to that gear. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> and so what does innovation mean for you? A lot of your tours are based in history, but Memphis is a living city. Yeah. And, and one, of the things that, one of the things that I always say, and I, I don't... I, it, it's it's sad, but I don't do tours a whole lot anymore. Um, I, I have a few times this year because we've we've been pretty uh, shorthanded, like most people are. But I actually don't do tours a whole lot anymore because I am so um, I am so in, enmeshed in like running uh, running things kind of behind the scenes. But I still love putting that hat on and and you know lacing up my shoes and getting out there and walking around with folks. Um, and I think innovation for us means constantly staying on top of what is happening in Memphis and making the connections with what's happening now and what happened 50, 75, 100 years ago. We were um, also during the pandemic, obviously, we were closed for quite a while and everyone was furloughed and we didn't really know. We are all creatives at our jobs. Yes, we are. We are intellectuals. We are educators in you know some way, shape, form or fashion. Because we are educating people about Memphis history, and we, but we have this, we have this creative outlet. Because you can take this, you can take the Mojo tour, you can take the Ghost tour three times with three different guides and have three very different experiences. Because we are so, we are all so creative, and 
So we had all this creativity and it was just kind of like getting pent up and we didn't know what to do with it. And so what we did was all of us tour guides, we just kind of, we, we had like a group text going on and we said, you know what, we're going to start recording our favorite stories and we're going to put them on our Facebook page so that when people are looking at Memphis and longing for the days of travel to come back, they can say, Hey, here's this tour company and these people know what they're talking about. So we had some of our musicians actually get, you know, set up little camera studio in their apartment or whatever. And they were singing and playing the stories I did. I did a, I did a whole segment on baseball in Memphis because baseball in Memphis dates back to the 1890s. And it's not just the Redbirds and the chicks, you know, it goes back over a hundred years. I did another one on, on Mud Island and the formation of Mud Island. Cause spoiler alert, Mud Island, not a natural part of our landscape. Fun facts. Um, but you know, we, we got out there and, and so Innovation for us is making sure that we are making the connections between what's happening now and what happened, like I said, 50 to 100 years ago or, you know, 203, 4, 204 years ago when Memphis was founded. I can't, I don't do math <laughs> if I can help it. So um, kind of circling back full circle to what we um, talked about at the beginning, I'm curious if each of you can share a spooky spirit for the name uh, in the name of Halloween. So whether it's a a cocktail mixed with old Dominic spirits or just shooting it straight, whichever you prefer, Alex. Um, And then a favorite historical haunt. Cool. Yeah. For me, I would have to say probably my go-to this time of year. Um, especially when the temperatures are actually cool. I I like to do a little bit of toddy and uh, hot apple cider. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Super easy. I'm a lazy bartender. I don't, I don't <laughs> okay. get crazy with it. Uh, you don't need the, the cinnamon sticks and, you know, some star anise. I only bust out the cinnamon sticks if I have people over and make them think I've spent a lot of time on that drink. I love it. Love it. Um, well, I... I talked a little bit about I talked a little bit about the green beetle earlier, um, and it it is one of my favorite stories because it's just there's so many facets to it. But I mean, you just you can't you can't beat Mary, you can't beat Mary. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Mm-hmm. You can't beat Mary at the Orpheum. Twelve year old girl killed in 1921 outside not the Orpheum but the Grand Opera House, which sat on the same corner for a little while, and she just never left, which is. Uh, quite rare for a spirit, um, because if you look at the marquee at the Orpheum, it says entertaining since 1928. But as I just told you, Mary was killed in 1921 at a different theater. And it is incredibly rare for a spirit to remain in a location once that location has been demolished. Um, typically, they typically they will move on if they don't have that space. Um, but I guess I guess Mary was just kind of lingering and waiting to see what would go on the space, you know, in that spot where the Grand Opera used to be. And when she found out it was a theater, she was like, I'm good. I'm in. I'm here. I'm back, baby. I'm back. (laughs) How does the Orpheum honor Mary? The Orpheum honors Mary. They still um, reserve her seat. Um, At the time in 1921, she had the ticket in her pocket for seat C5 in the mezzanine level. That is now technically uh, in a different spot in the theater, but they do, they do reserve that seat. So there is one seat that the Orpheum never sells and it is seat C5 in the mezzanine level. And that is reserved for Mary for all time. So if you're in seat C4, buckle up, buckle up. Yeah. Get some extra 
extra snacks for Mary. Just don't do what there was a production of Fiddler on the Roof here in the seventies. Don't do what they did and hold a seance in the mezzanine level and try to evict Mary because she is a 12 year old girl. And if anyone knows or loves 12 year old girls, we do love them, but they are stubborn, temperamental. That's these are good words. They are good words for the one that's in my head. Um, my daughter's 10 and it's coming. It's coming. I yeah. Feel it. Um, but she, she didn't take too kindly. She respectfully said no. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah what happened? What happened <laughs> absolutely during not. or after the seance? So uh, that was the worst production of Fiddler on the Roof uh, in that 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 set of uh, productions that they had uh, here in Memphis. People got locked in dressing rooms that didn't have locks on them. An entire bank of lights went out and didn't come back on uh, until the last patron had been refunded. Um, That's it, kind of amazing. The, uh, the costumes, props went missing, specifically the fiddle. For Fiddler on the Roof. For Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> A smidge um, necessary. It's not amazing. nearly as compelling without the fiddle. Um, yeah, and and so they they kind of collectively blamed it on Mary. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, you tried to kick her out of her house. She's she's already said multiple times she's, that she wants to stay here. She she's said, home. you can go. She you can leave. And uh, actually, they did. The most recent production of Fiddler on the Roof that played at the Orpheum, I believe it was in 2021, may have been 22. Uh, that was the first time they'd been back since the 70s. Did anything happen then? Not that, not that they are willing to share with us. Okay, so Mary, they may have just Mary's come in quietly. Might have had yeah. an expiration limit. She was like, "All right, fine, play yeah. your fiddle." They, they may have, they new, may have new been people. warned. Yeah, yeah. new people. You know. I have a feeling that, that they were strongly yeah. warned beforehand. <laughs> to be like, "Look, this happened the last time. You guys go in. You shut up. You do your show. You don't touch anything." And you get out. There was something in the contract. There was something yeah. in the contract that said do no yeah. seances. Would no love seances. to be a fly on the wall during that conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If they'd given me half a chance, I would have had it with them. I'd be like, look. The fact that everything like went back to normal after the last patron was refunded is really just a chef's kiss for Mary. Uh, yeah. I really, I really just have to say <laughs> like, my, my hat is off. One of my, one of my favorite little, little like tidbits is that that entire bank of lights went out and you know, the engineers, the electricians, they came in and there's like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. We don't know what's happening. And so they had to cancel the show and they refunded everyone and everybody went home and right as they were, the last patron was leaving. Lights came back on. And you know, Mary's just like swinging her leg up on the light thing, you know, just like I giddy. Know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's Mary um, versus everybody. It's, look, it really <laughs> is. That's the shirt. <laughs> Mary versus everybody. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. The new slogan. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that's a musical in the works. <laughs> she, she has made herself known at multiple musicals, like it, during production, like in Annie. In Annie, she, she took a liking to the little girl that was playing Annie. Oh, no. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that one's going. <laughs> Oh, that would be terrifying. I was going to say, but it seems like that would be right up Mary's alley. I mean, she's 12. I mean, who doesn't there's, love Annie? There's so, there's so yeah, many. Yeah, but what 12-year-old likes yeah. a ghost? You know, I don't know if the affection was reciprocated. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to my daughter <laughs> right, who can, can basically do this tour at 10. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so it was, it, it's, it's fun. We've, we've done a couple of, we've done a couple of special tours where we were actually granted permission to go into the Orpheum after hours and we did not do a seance. We did have a spirit box on stage and we got some interesting, uh, got some interesting responses out of that. And yeah. Um, what gosh. is a spirit box? So a spirit box, uh, typically the, the, the more, the more common inundation of them is it is, it's basically a radio 
and it just cycles through stations just constantly. And so it sounds like it's just this cacophonous noise of static, but occasionally you'll catch a word here and there. And it's, that is supposed to be spirits communicating through the airwaves. Hmm. So think of the movie. What is the movie? White noise. Think of the movie white noise, but a little more pointed, I guess is the word maybe I'm looking for a little more pointed. Uh, It's not, you know, TV. You don't, you don't have to record hours and hours of, you know, snowy television to get the same effect. Okay. Okay. So we've talked a lot about spirits in Memphis, but I'm curious what your favorite part of the Memphis spirit is. What makes Memphis Memphis for you? That's hard because there's so much, I think. Um, And this is probably cliche to say at this point, but the city does have grit. It has attitude in a good way. Um, and there's a strength to it and it's people that I just, I absolutely love. I, she stole my answer. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I actually tell people on my tours when we're going through these different major events in history and you're going through and you're, you're seeing that, you know, Memphis was inundated and by the civil war, it we were, we were spared in a lot of ways, but it still affected us. And then on right on the heels of the civil war, you have yellow fever, which almost ended us. And then the turn of the century, and then you're going through segregation and Jim Crow, and you're getting into the civil rights movement and the assassination of Dr. King, which again, almost ended us. And now just in these last few years, Memphis has really kind of risen back up. And I, I just, it sounds really weird to say, and you can make a t-shirt out of this one too. I like to say that Memphis is the city that just will not die because we've, we've had every, we've had every excuse and every opportunity to just throw in the towel and be like, we're done. We're out. But we didn't, we didn't. And that just, it speaks to the the attitude and the grit and the love that people have for this city. So how can listeners learn more or get involved with either of your organizations? Well, we're always looking for good tour guides. If you have a love of Memphis, uh, you can send your resume to backbeatours at gmail.com. And uh, we, we will provide all the training for you. You just really have to have a love for Memphis and not be scared of people. Honestly, that is those are our only recommendations. <laughs> what about you? Don't be in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be older than high school. That would okay. be great. That would be great. Yeah. Okay, thanks. perfect. <laughs> and if someone wants to take a tour, where can they find you? So uh, you can find uh, our website is backbeattours.com. And we have six different tours that we offer daily. And we also have a bevy of private tours. So we do lots of tours for um, for private groups, for church groups, for family reunions, birthday parties. Um, in fact, I have, I have one person... Um, who she does a ghost tour every year for her birthday. Um, she's nine. <laughs> it's not my daughter. I promise. That's what's even funnier. It's not my daughter. She gets her family and they rent the bus and rent a tour guide and they do a bus tour in December, a ghost bus tour for her birthday in December every year. And she is obsessed with it. And so, I mean, we we love getting to meet people from out of town. We get to meet people who are locals. 
and we get to introduce them to the city in our very unique way. So we do private tours and we'll do just about anything. I, I typically tell people if it's legal ish, we'll do it. What about you, Alex? Um, so go to our website, olddominic.com. There are two D's there and there's a K at the end. Uh, people forget those. Um, but on there, you'll be able to find um, an email address. If you have questions, inquiries, it's info at olddominic.com. Uh, we are always hiring tour guides. That seems to just be the standard anymore, yeah. as well as bartenders, because we do have a full bar. Um, so you can always send resumes to that email address, or we even welcome you to just pop in with your resume. Uh, we actually just hired someone in production who just popped in one day. Um, and so we usually are hiring in production too. So if you're looking for more full-time, more hands-on, get a little dirty a little bit, you know, make some whiskey, that's always something we're, we're happy to do. But otherwise, just follow us on Instagram and Facebook and, and see what we're up to and come on down to the distillery, have a drink, host an event, um, and do a tour. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. And we hope you have um, wonderfully spooky plans for the rest of your day. And we're going to um, go ahead and sign off because Alex brought some lovely um, treats for us to try. So until next week. Bye and happy Halloween. Independent Bank is celebrating 25 years of sharing your stories, building your dreams, and serving you heroically. Find out how iBank can help you achieve your financial dreams at i-bankonline.com. Member FDIC.